The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Amen. We're in a series right now called No Matter What. And we're talking about relationships and specifically marriages. And and if you were here last week, we talked about the purpose of marriage, why we have marriages, why God ordained marriages. We talked about how to be successful in your marriages. Uh, And we got a lot of really great feedback from a lot of people in our church after the service was over, people who are young and not married yet, people who are newlyweds, uh, divorcees, a lot of different people came to us and just told us how much that that message meant to them. So if you missed it, make sure you go back, watch the podcast, listen to that message. Uh, I think it'll really minister to you. Right. How many guys did your homework this week? Good, good. Okay. Remember at the end of Every message during the series, we're going to give you a little homework assignment. And the reason we're doing that is because these assignments are designed to take what you're writing down in your notebook, what you're writing down in the notes section of your app. It's designed to move that stuff from your notes to your heart. It's to make it go from head knowledge to heart knowledge, to help you apply it, talk about it, get it out there. So make sure you're doing it. We want the series to, to bear fruit in your life. So this is a way... It can help you to plant those seeds down into a fertile soil. So do your homework. This week, we are going to talk about love. Somebody say love. Love. That's our focus. And the title of this message, if you're taking notes, is love you, mean it. Love you, comma, mean it. I wanted to call it, what is love? But then you just get that, you just get that baby don't hurt me thing. So I got overruled on that one. But. Right. Okay, so the word love is a word that is totally overused in our culture today, and I'm guilty of it. I am the kind of person, I cannot dislike something on Facebook. I have to give it the love. I have to give it the heart. We say we love everything, right? Yeah. I love Taco Bueno. Yeah. I, love, I love popcorn. Yeah. Um, I, love, I love Empire Slice. I love uh, French toast from Cafe Cacao. Ooh, I love that too. I love, um, I love your beard. Thank you. You're welcome. Love your beard. Yeah. I, I love you. And I love baths. You do love baths. I do. Yeah. So we say we love everything from lattes. I love my favorite pair of jeans. It's so overused. We throw the word love around like confetti. And because of that, it's lost some of its meaning. But we do it not only just with like inanimate objects like Disneyland, yeah. but we, we throw it around loosely with people. You know, we say, love ya, or love you, bro, not I love you, because that's like too serious. Or we text somebody, heart emoji you, or love you, mean it, L-Y-M-I, which if we're having to add mean it after the Uh, after we tell somebody that we love them, then that shows us it's proof that this word is overused, okay? But here's the thing with love you mean it, with L-Y-M-I, that I've noticed. It's kind of like this barrier that people use if they're about to tell you something that is kind of not loving. (laughs) So you say like, love you mean it, but you really need to stop posting those dumb selfies. Or love you mean it, but you really need to get a job, right? Love you mean it. But today we're going to talk about what it means to actually love and how you can prove that you really do mean it. Because last week we talked about how in marriage we're not looking for exit routes, right? We're in this no matter what. So we might as well begin to enjoy it. And love is a big part of that. 
Yeah, so if you have your Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, if you want to turn there, Ephesians chapter 5. And as, I, as we look at this today, I want you to notice in particular the first four words that, that I'm about to read to you. Because I'm telling you, if you will take these four words and apply them to your relationships, to your dating relationships, to your marriage relationships specifically, I'm telling you it will transform whatever kind of relationship you're in. Ephesians 5 verse 25 says this. Say it with me if you got your Bible. Husbands, love your wives. Say it again. Husbands, love your wives. And then it begins to kind of explain what this looks like. Seek the highest good for her and surround her with a caring, unselfish love. And then it gives us an example of who did this. Just as Christ also loved the church, which also gives us a, a picture of what that looked like, and gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives. So it's talking about loving that person that you're in a relationship with in a, in a self-sacrificing uh, love that's about their good, not just your benefits. This is so important. And, and, and let me just talk to the, to the men real quick. Husbands watching online, husbands here in the room. I, I think this is so key to marriages being the marriages that they're called to be today. I think one of the main problems that we see so often in counseling sessions and stuff like that is we're running into relationships where at the end of the day we can look at them and go, you're not loving your wife. Like you're really not loving her like you should and vice versa. And I can just tell you, if, you, if you're looking at a marriage and there's one out there that you see and you would say, man, that is a like goals marriage. Like I look at those, that couple and they've been married a long time and they love each other and they're friends. They're not just kind of coexisting, but they love each other and they're best friends and they have fun together and, and they, they're serving each other. In those kind of marriages, I can tell you something that is happening for sure. The husband is loving his wife and the wife is loving her husband. They're, they're giving this kind of self-sacrificing love that's about the highest good of the other person that's not just saying that they love but actually expressing that they love in action and this kind of love that we're talking about is what the bible calls agape love right some of you guys may have seen this commercial last week during the super bowl it really caught my eye because i knew we were going to be talking about love this sunday it was from the new york life insurance company and I think they did a fantastic job in just one minute explaining the four types of love that we see in Scripture. It was beautiful, simplistic, memorable. So we're going to play it for you. And as you watch this, I want you to pay attention, but really pay attention when it gets to agape love. Because agape love is what Paul is talking about when he says, husbands, love your wives. Check it out. The ancient Greeks had four words for love. The first is philia. Philia is affection that grows from friendship. Next, there's storge, the kind you have for a grandparent or a brother. Third, there's eros, the uncontrollable urge to say, I love you again. The fourth kind of love is different. It's the most admirable. It's called agape. Love as an action. It takes courage, sacrifice, strength. For 175 years, we've been helping people act on their love. So they can look back or look ahead and say, we got it right. We did good. 
Well done, New York Life. Yeah, thank you to our production company, New York Life, for that $1 million ad they just did for us. So the fourth kind of love is different. It's agape love. Love as an action. It takes courage. It takes sacrifice. It takes strength. Agape love is a decision. It's not spontaneous. Agape love has as much to do with our heart as it does our mind because agape love chooses. It chooses. It decides. It's not about feelings. Agape love has very little to do with feelings. It's not about whether you feel like staying, feel like fighting, feel like getting up, feel like giving, feel like serving. It's about deciding that you're going to love no matter what you feel like. This is agape love, and this is how husbands are commanded to love their wives. It's a love that loves without changing. It's a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It is love so great that it can be given to the unlovable or unappealing. How many know that there are days when your spouse is unlovable? They're unappealing. They hurt us. They break us sometimes. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No idea. Never experienced that. But agape love chooses on those days to love anyways. It's a love that loves even when it's rejected. This is where we see the love of Christ. He loved us when we rejected him. He, he decided. He didn't feel like going to the cross, but he decided. He chose to. He made up his mind to go to the cross for us. He, his love is never changing. He loves us when we're unlovable and unappealing. This is how husbands are called to love their wives with an agape kind of love. I read this week this quote by Charles Spurgeon. And when I read it, it made me cry thinking about the love that Jesus has for me and what his love has made me, but also thinking about the love that he has had for me and what his love has made me. Look at this. He never loved her for what she has, but what she is. Nay, I must go further than that and say that he loved her not so much for what she is, but what he makes her as the object of his love. He loves her not for what comes to him from her or with her, but for what he is able to bestow upon her. His is the strongest love that ever was. This is how Christ has loved me. He didn't love me for what I have to offer or what I can bring to the table. He loves me because he sees how beautiful I am clothed in his love for me. His love has made me lovable. Listen, the more agape love, husbands, that you lavish on your wives, the more lovable you make her. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you would say today, like in your marriage, you, you would love to have a new spouse. Like it's, it's not going well. Things are kind of falling apart. And you'd say, man, you know, I'll I'll just speak from a husband's perspective. You'd say, "I, I feel like my wife wants to spend more time on Pinterest than she does with me. Or I feel like all we ever do is argue and fight and, and she doesn't trust me. And she, she invests more in the children than she does into our our marriage. If you find yourself in that case or vice versa, let me just say that if you will just choose to love your spouse with this agape love, that that love will begin to transform that other person into the image of Christ Jesus. If you'll have enough faith to believe that they can be who God's called them to be and start treating them like they are now, I believe that the work that God can do in their life will help them to become that. Okay, so is this a one-way street? Are husbands the only one that are called to love their wives? Paul talking directly to husband uh, in that text. But if you look down a little bit further in verse 33, he says, and the wife 
must see to it that she respects and delights in her husband, that she notices him, prefers him, and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, and holding him dear. So it's not just the husbands that are called to love with this agape love. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talks about how this is the best way to do life. At the end of that video, it says, you know that you did it right. This is Paul telling us how we can do life right. It's to love. And notice that this, this text is not to husbands and wives in 1 Corinthians 13. It's to the church. So this command to love with an agape love is for you whatever season that you're in. That's good. I want to read together Paul's description of agape love. Because if we really are going to love our spouse and, and mean it and prove it, then we need to understand this and we need to make sure we're turning these things on in our lives every day. And I know this is a familiar passage of scripture, but I want you to read it with me out loud today so that we look at every word and we let this really sink in. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Love, Love is, is patient, patient and kind. kind. Love, Love is, is not, not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Or rude. It, it does, does not demand its own way. way. It, it is, is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. This is what agape looks like on display. This is what we must do to show our spouse that we love them and we really do mean it. Yeah, so for the rest of the, our time this morning, what we want to do is we want to break this down for you a little bit and talk about what this look like, what this looks like expressed and, and just kind of help you to understand in a greater way so we can walk in it in our relationships, all right? So the first one we're going to break down here is love is patient and not irritable. <laughs> love is patient and not irritable. Those two go together pretty good, I think. Yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was the second day of our honeymoon. And for the third time in two days, I was sitting on the bed of the hotel room, watching TV, waiting for Sarah to get ready. <laughs> now, up, up to this point in our relationship, uh, I'd never experienced this before. I, I never was, had to wait really on anybody for the most part. When, when we were dating, uh, because we didn't live together, because that's unbiblical, um, I, would, <laughs> I would go to her house, or, or like, we're going to go hang out. I'd call her up and be like, hey, let's go do, see a movie, let's go out to eat. She'd say, sure. We'd agree upon a time, and then I would show up at said time, and she would come bopping out of the house with her ponytail, and we were off. And that was awesome, and that's how I thought life was going to go. But now... But now I'm, I'm discovering, oh, oh, it takes her a while to get ready every time. Like, you know, you're a guy, me and my guy friends, like we'd be, we'd be completely unready. And somebody'd be like, hey, let's go to Wendy's. And in a minute we could take showers and be out the door. That's what I'm used to. But now I, I literally remember sitting on this bed thinking, this is my life now. Like, I really did. Like, I'm going to be waiting on this girl for the rest of my life. And I'm happy to do it, though. I, lo I love her, and I'm happy to do it. But, but here's the thing. We all know, like, if you're in a relationship, you're going to need some patience. And when I'm talking about patience here, we're not just talking about, you know, being willing to, to be patient with someone who takes a little bit longer to get ready than you. We're talking about love and patience, right? So 1 Corinthians 13, when it talks about Patience, the word there, the Greek word there means to be long-tempered, not short-tempered. Wow. That's what it means, which goes really well with that idea of not being irritable. Right. 
because typically people that are irritable are people that have a short fuse. They get upset by stuff really easily. And let me just tell you, that's not going to go well in your marriage. So the idea here is, is this, that, that in, in my loving patience looks like this displayed in our relationship. I love you more than I am bothered by the inconvenience of whatever I may be dealing with that may be even caused by you or based on you. So for example, for example, let's say that your wife comes home and she has just gotten her second speeding ticket in three weeks. That would be awful, right? Well, when that happens, I'm patient in my love with her because I, I love her more as a person than I am inconvenienced by the fact that she has gotten two speeding tickets in a three-week period. And, and listen, it's not, just, it's not just for those times, this patience we're talking about, it's not just for those times in your life when someone lets you down or messes up. This is something we have to have on display all the time. Because if you're in a marriage relationship, there's, there's going to be stuff. You're going to need to be patient when your spouse is struggling to forgive someone because they did, they did them wrong. You're going to need to be patient and, and listen to them and be able to have those, those conversations where you just shut up and listen when they're talking about that person at work that's frustrating them out of their mind. that You're not feeling that at all, but they're feeling it. You're going to need to be, be patient when, when they've lost someone that they love or they're mourning the loss of a relationship or of a friend or whatever that may be. Even though you may not be feeling it, your loving patience is there for them in the moment, whatever it is that they're, they're dealing with. And let me just say, I'm, I'm not perfect at this at all. Uh, it's something I'm working on. In fact, it was interesting this week. We were putting this message together, and I literally found myself getting impatient with Sarah while we were working on the patience section of the message that we're preaching right now. That was, that was, it hit me, too. There's a moment I'm like, I'm getting impatient with you right now. Like, this is so funny. So I, I, this is something I'm working on, and, and I'll just give you a couple of keys that have helped me, all right? First of all, I lean on the Holy Spirit when it comes to this. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be my helper, that he would walk beside me, lead me, and guide me in all truth. He was the one there to, to help me in life. And one of the ways he helps me is he helps me produce the fruit of the Spirit that is called patience. And so I rely on him. I go to God daily, and I say, God, I need patience today. I need patience for Sarah. I need patience with people in the church. I need patience with my kids. Would you, would you give me patience, and would you speak to me when I'm not being impatient? And then the second thing I do, I try to remember to do, is I remember patience. I remember times that people have been patient with me. Like when, when, when Sarah let me know about this ticket, real quickly the Holy Spirit said, hey, she's been patient with you over a lot dumber stuff than this. Yeah. Times I've done stuff that really hurt her and she was patient with me. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, here's the thing, because he, do, he spoke to me like that, it was easy to, yeah. to go, hey, hun, it's okay. I don't, it's no big deal. I, I know you didn't mean to. You didn't mean to do that. You didn't mean to drive, to drive 75 and a 40. I know you didn't mean that. <laughs> Stuff happens. That Kanye beat hit, and you know. But I, but I remember patience, and I express it, and I keep it in the forefront of my life, and I allow the Holy Spirit to minister through it because love is patient and not irritable. All right, next, I'm going to kind of put these three together. Love is kind. Love does not demand its own way, and it is not rude. Agape love is kind. This is what it is. Here's what it's not. It's not rude, and it does not demand its own way. Agape love is kind. I think kindness is one of those 
those words that, again, it's kind of overused and, and we, we don't feel the weightiness of it. But kindness in the Bible, it's a powerful thing. Yeah. The Bible likens kindness to a wine that has grown mellow with age, which speaks to maturity. And that, that as it grows older with, or as it has grown older, it mellows out and it loses its harshness. So kind people are people who have matured (laughs) and they have lost their harshness. They don't have this rough edge to them anymore. They are kind. Kind people also are people who adapt well to others. That's what this word carries in scripture. According to the dictionary, adapt means to change your behavior. Write this down. This is good to change your behavior so that it's easier to live in a particular place or situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, if love is kind, then love adapts. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question for you this morning. What are you changing about your behavior mm-hmm. to make it easier for your spouse to live with you? Yes. What are you changing about your behavior? Here's the thing that I know about people. In general, we're resistant to change. We don't like change. We like for things to be as they've always been, including our personalities. You know, I think it's even a life goal for people to be comfortable in their own skin, right? We, we see people who are like, oh, she's so comfortable in her own skin. I wish I could be that comfortable in my skin. But here's the thing. If your skin includes some characteristic traits that are not kind, if your skin includes harshness, you're demanding, you're rude, then you need to get uncomfortable in your own skin, right? You need to change things. You can't can't keep saying, this is just the way God made me, okay? That excuse does not fly. I'm stubborn. I'm opinionated. I'm type A. This is just the way God made me. I'm a perfectionist. This is just the way God gave me, or God made me. You gotta stop hiding behind that excuse if it's messing up your ability to show kindness to your spouse, to the people in your life. We want everybody to adapt to us, right? We want people to to adapt to the way that God created us. These are my strengths. These, this is my love language. You better memorize it, and you better treat me according to it, right? You better you better serve my strengths, my love languages. But here's the thing. Kindness is the willingness to lay down our tendencies, our natural tendencies. It's a willingness to understand that this marriage is not about me. It's about us. It's about being kind and willing to adapt. You know, we live in a harsh world. People are harsh and they're rude and they're demanding. And and it gets on us in our workplaces. It gets on our kids at school. And then they come back and and they'll treat us that way. Or we'll treat our spouse that way because people have been that way with us. But when you get home, you got to wash the world off of you. You got to be mature. You got to, you got to get rid of that rough edge and be kind to your spouse. You know, Josh and I, our perfect date date are different, right? We have a, yeah. a, a different date day uh, that would be our perfect scenario. Okay, Josh's perfect date day would be something like getting up, getting out of the house as soon as I can. He doesn't want to wait forever <laughs> to get ready. Shopping, burgers and fries, and a movie. Okay, this is his perfect date day. Mine is a little bit different. I don't want to get up and like be somewhere at a certain time. I want to sleep in. We do our, we do our dates on Fridays. Okay. When the kids are at school. So I want to sleep in. I I always have to be somewhere at a certain time, but on Friday it's different. So I want to slowly roll into the day, right? 
Uh, I don't want to shop. That does not sound fun on a date at all. I don't want burgers and fries. I want brunch and lattes. And then and then a movie. Okay, but I, yeah, wait. Though. A movie is... You a, want some pizza, too. And pizza. Yeah. A lot of times pizza. Uh, if, if, I feel like the slob here. I like brunch and lattes. I like burgers and fries. Yeah. I like You like pizza. Fries. I do like pizza. If we're too late for brunch, then pizza all day. Uh, I hate brunch, too. Hate it. <laughs> So he doesn't like brunch, and I love it. But here's the thing. On Fridays, we don't demand our own way. I'm not like, we are doing brunch and lattes, and you're going to get over it, and, and, and vice versa. We adapt. We yeah. give. We, we often ask each other, what sounds good to you? You know, marriage is give and take. But so often, people just want to take, take, take. They don't want to bend. They don't want to change. They don't want to adapt. Let me just give you some advice this Valentine's Day week. Yeah. Adapt, yeah. change, yeah. prefer your spouse over yourself. Yeah. Be kind, yeah. don't be demanding. This is basics, but we can't get bored with the basics. Yeah, so good. So turn the person beside you and say, that's good preaching. All right, love, here's the next one. Love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. Now this one's kind of interesting because there's, there's actually there's two different kinds of jealousy. Uh, there's, there's healthy jealousy and there's unhealthy jealousy. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on healthy jealousy because really in this verse, it's not even talking about healthy jealousy. It's talking about unhealthy jealousy. But I, I do want you to understand that there is such a thing as healthy jealousy and what it looks like. Because sometimes we do find in marriages that people are not practicing healthy jealousy. But there is healthy jealousy. This is healthy jealousy. Healthy jealousy is when your spouse is jealous for you. And this is a good thing because the Bible tells us that God is a jealous God. You ever heard that verse before? So if God is something, then obviously it, it, it means it, it's not, there's, a, there's a healthy version of it because God ain't unhealthy. So it's a jealousy for you. And, and here's, here's the idea here. Is it's like God loves you and he wants a relationship with you and he wants to be close to you. And so he's going to be jealous of anything that would try to get in the way and disrupt that relationship and, and become an idol or a God that you would worship instead of him. In the same way, we need to have a healthy jealousy in our marriages where we say, I don't want anything getting in between me and my spouse. I don't want anything that could disrupt or do damage to the relationship that I have. Now, that can be inappropriate. We can take that too far and it can become paranoia. But, but if it's expressed properly, it's something that actually does need to be expressed in your relationship. Right. And I think it's something that, you, like you said, you have to express it. You have to talk about it. That's going to be in our homework this week where you sit down and say, is there anything that's causing you to be jealous for me? And, 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 and I want you to understand, it's not always, guys, it's not um, some, some dude checking out your wife and you get jealous. Or, or ladies, it's not some woman flirting with your spouse and you get jealous. Yes, that's going to that's gonna, uh, you know, send up some red flags. But our husbands can also be jealous of our kids mm -hmm. and the time that we're spending with them and on them. And, and they can feel like they're getting our leftovers. They can be jealous of our phones. Man, I wish that she would look at me as long as she looks at that phone. I wish she would pay attention to me like she pays attention to what's going on on the gram, right? Mm -hmm. and, then, and then husbands um, or, or wives, I think sometimes we can be jealous of, of our spouse's career. If it's something that is causing him to come home and he's tired and he's giving us leftovers and uh, he's worn out, then we can be jealous of that career. And it's good to be jealous for your spouse yeah. because it helps you to, if you communicate it in a healthy way and you let right. them know like, hey, I, I, I want to be the center of, of your affection after God, right? right? That's the number one priority after your relationship with God. So healthy jealousy is when you're jealous for your spouse. 
unhealthy jealousy is when you're jealous of your spouse. Yes. And that's really what this, this verse is talking about. Unhealthy jealousy is what, is what caused Cain to kill Abel. Unhealthy jealousy is what put Joseph in, in the pit and sold him into slavery. Unhealthy jealousy is, is what put Jesus on the cross. And so unhealthy jealousy is motivated by selfishness and resentment and discontentment. Discontentment's huge. It's a jealousy of your spouse. And you might say, Pastor Josh, I'm good. I'm not jealous of my spouse. Like, we can move on. Well, before we go there, let me just kind of throw a couple of scenarios at you real quick. Because a big part of jealousy is resentment, like we're talking about. Do you ever find yourself resenting your spouse? Mm -hmm. Like, you resent. I'll give you a couple of scenarios. Let's say the wife is 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 seeing some resentment with her husband because he gets to to go to work every day and hang out with the guys. And he's going on trips sometimes. and, And while she's trying to manage the home and keep the kids together and keep everything kind of in, in order within the home. And so she kind of resents the fact that he just gets to go off and do his, his, what she thinks of as his thing. And maybe the husband on the other side is going, well, you don't understand the pressure that I'm under. I have to go out and make these sales and, 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 and do all this business and work to build clients and all this stuff. While all you have to do is kind of hang out with the kids at home and make sure everything is in order there. So you see the two are kind of in, in opposition to each other. Uh, maybe unhealthy jealousy is, and resentment is you resent your spouse's relationship with God a little bit. They seem to get more out of the word than I do. Seems like they get more out of the messages than I do. And you just kind of resent. There's some discontent with where you are in your relationship with God versus where they are in their relationship with God. Or, or maybe you're, you're discontent and resentful about your, your spouse's social position. Like they're, they're the one that when we go into a room, like they're the center of attention. I feel like I kind of fade in the background. Nobody really sees me. Nobody really notices me. But everybody notices them. They're, they're loud and boisterous, and I'm just kind of hidden in the background. The, the problem with all of this is it's just dangerous and it's not an expression of godly love and what godly love is supposed to look like. And so, listen, New Song Church, we got to deal with this. And, and one of the ways we deal with this, because discontentment is at the heart of what jealousy is all about, one of the ways you deal with it is you deal with it through thankfulness. Because if you're discontent, what you're saying is, and you're jealous, what you're saying is, I, 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 what you have, I wish I had. Or I wish you didn't have it. I'm discontent with what I've been given. I wish I had more of what you have. And, and so a good way to, to fight that is rather than fight it, what we do, our, our flesh wants to fight that with jealousy. We fight it by the spirit of, of choosing to be thankful. Yeah. And, just, and it's yeah. real simple. I mean, just get practical with it. You know, be thankful that you're not in a hospital bed. Yeah. Be thankful yeah. that you have a car with yeah. the tires that, that yeah. the car goes down the road. Yeah. Be thankful that you go to such an incredible church with amazing yeah. pastors. Yeah. Be thankful. Ice cream is a thing, people. There's always, there's, always, there's always something to be thankful for. And if we'll choose to fix our eyes on God's goodness and mercy... And his favor in our life, it, it will it will kill discontentment, which will drive jealousy away. So good, you know. It, the the scripture talks about how love doesn't rejoice when evil wins out. It, it it rejoices. It doesn't rejoice at injustice. When you're dealing with just jealousy, you're gonna rejoice when things are going wrong for your spouse. When things so it it also covers that. If you will not, if you will check your heart, am I jealous? Then that will rule out that stuff too. Okay. Uh, next, love keeps no record. Of wrongs. <laughs> this one is a hard one for me. This one, it's hard for a competitive person like me. I'm a very competitive person. In fact, I don't understand at all 
the, the point of playing a game where there is no scoreboard or, or, or there are no winners or losers. I don't care what game it is. I don't, I don't buy the line. It's just for fun. Like, like I want to know at the end, like the, a, a, a winner is going to be clearly identified and better if the winner is going to be me. Like she, she will not let our six year old beat her at checkers. No. Earn it, Sonny. Earn it. Earn it. Yeah, I don't care what the game is. If it's uh, 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 charades or fishbowl, whatever it is, I want to know that a winner, that, 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 that score is being kept, and a winner, even if it's a team game, the team will be announced which team won, which team lost. So, I'm a very so we don't, we don't play a lot of board games. <laughs> Doesn't go well. But here's the thing. I don't care what you've been told. Love is not a game. Agape love is not a game. And if we're going to be all in, we have to throw out scoreboards. We, we, we keep internal scoreboards where we are keeping track of the times that people have wronged us. And um, I've had to deal with this in my life. I know for many years in our marriage, I, I've known for as long as I've known Josh, 20 years now. I've known you for 20 years. And as long as I've known him, I've known that he receives love best through words of affirmation. He's a words guy, right? And I believe partly that's why he fell in love with me. Uh, I was a cheerleader, and I was his cheerleader, right? I was like, I think you are awesome, awesome, awesome. I think you are awesome, awesome, awesome. That was just, that was just me. Like, I would just dote on him. <laughs> dote on him with my words. And, and it was good. And it was, it, that, that was why he was attracted to me. And uh, the, the, when, as we got married, later on in our marriage, I started to get stingy with those words. And I started to withhold those words. And I know that it, it, was, it was an issue in our marriage because anytime we would get together and I would say, hey, is there anything I can do to serve you better? Anything I can do? Um, what are my blind spots? He would just say, you know, your words mean so much to me. I could always use more encouragement. Well, I hear that, and being the competitive person that I am, I would just get mad because I didn't do it good enough last time, and I wasn't winning in that area. And then uh, when I would try to do better, then because he had to tell me to do better, it felt forced, and it felt fake. And so I didn't, it just was just this ugly cycle. Uh, but I, I, I knew that... that there was more to me than meets the eye to this. I knew that there was something that was going on internally. And so I remember sitting down one day on the couch and it was really bothering me. Like, God, why can't I, I encourage this person that I love the most in the world? Why, what is my problem? Help me. And so I asked the Holy Spirit to just show me. Like, I'm not going anywhere until you show me what's going on. And in an instant, I'm telling you, it was like this knot in my heart became untangled. And I knew... I knew that I knew that I knew that the reason that I had been withholding words of affirmation is because I was trying to even the score, that I had been keeping score in my heart. Uh, the times early on in our marriage where pornography hurt me over and over and over again, and I thought that I had wiped the slate clean. I thought that I had forgiven. I thought we were good. I never brought that up. Um, it, it, I thought I was free from that hurt, but in my heart, I had this little scoreboard going, and I thought, I'm going to pay him back. Like, I'm going to make him feel a little bit of the hurt that I've felt. Kind of death by a, a thousand silent, I'm proud of you. Death by a thousand silent or withheld, you're a great leader. Whatever it was, I'm just going to withheld to make him feel a little of what I felt. As soon as he showed me that, I just began to weep and weep and weep. 
And I remember he got home from the gym. He was like, what's wrong? I was like, I'm so sorry. The Lord showed me today that I've been keeping record of wrongs and I've been trying to even the score. And here's the thing. I never sat down to come up with that evil plan in my heart. I didn't even know that what, that's what was going on. That's why it's so important that we check in with the Holy Spirit often. And we say, Holy Spirit, do I have any hidden scoreboards in my heart? If I do, unplug them. Like, I don't want to be keeping record of wrongs because that's not agape love. The Bible says we can't know our own hearts, but we're children of God and we're led by the spirit of God and he knows our hearts and he can show us when we've got things there that we're tallying up things that we need to just erase, unplug and start fresh. Listen, you may be angry with your spouse for something they said a couple weeks ago when you thought you just blew it off. But you could be filtering things through that hurt, trying to even the score. The Holy Spirit knows. He'll show you the record that you're keeping. And he won't just show you it, but he will enable you to erase it, to unplug it. He'll help you to remember it's a choice. It's a decision. He'll help you to choose to forgive. He'll help you to choose to wipe the slate clean. He will help you. So invite him, invite him and check with him often. Look for those signs of that scoreboard. Yeah, love keeps no record of wrongs. Here's the next one. Love, love is not boastful or prideful. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys, see if you guys know this. If I was to say to you, my favorite place to vacation, I'm talking about me, who in here knows what that would be? Who, it's, yell it out. No. Disneyland, there you go. Disneyland is it. Disneyland is my favorite vacation in the world. I love going to Disney with my family. The best. You may think I'm crazy, but I'm, I'm serious. If you told me I could, I could go for a week, I could go to the, the mountains, the ocean, whatever, I'm going to pick Disneyland. I love Disney. At this point in my life, it's where I like to be. And so if I'm at Disney, one of the things that I'm going to be doing, you're going to find me, if there's a parade going on that day, you're going to find me camped out on a curb somewhere, <laughs> waiting with a churro in hand, staking my claim for where my family is going to be on a front row seat for this parade because the parades are unbelievable. They really are amazing. They spend thousands and thousands of dollars putting these on and there are people in these incredible costumes dancing around and characters and there's these floats that go up some of them are 30 feet into the air and they're just a lot I mean it's un it's unreal and it is the center of attention in the park when these things are going on whether you're me sitting on the front row or you're just someone that's going between a couple of other rides like you can't help but look over and pay attention to these parades because they're just they're so amazing now what's my point here well in in a in a, par a parade is appropriate in a theme park but it's not appropriate in your marriage it's not appropriate in a god-loving agape loving uh, marriage on display first corinthians 13 4 says this it says love does not parade itself so in other words love is okay with not being noticed Love can be on display and expressed without having to be noticed that it was expressed. This week as I was thinking about this, I remembered this meme I saw one day that I think this kind of shows the, the heart position that I tend to have sometimes, or I've had in the past at least a few times. Check this out. This is me here. You guys got that? Nacho Libre, there you go. That, that's, that's, that's me. I've been guilty of that many times. Maybe some of you men can relate to this. Like you sit down on the couch and it's like, whew, man, I'm really tired today. I've been, been busy. 
emptying the dishwasher and folding all that laundry and and blowing out the garage and anybody relate to this wives in here reshingled the roof all these things that I do and and really what I'm trying to do in that moment is I just want her to give me an attaboy and but but here's the thing like when I'm doing that I'm, I'm chasing after something that I shouldn't be chasing after. Yeah, exactly. Love should be, okay, listen, in our marriage, and I'm sure in yours and any relationship, you're busy. There's a lot going on. And if it's going to work, there's going to have to be a lot of stuff that goes unnoticed that you do because you care about the other person and you care about making the marriage and the relationship and the family run the way it's supposed to. So the question is, are you okay with unloading the dishwasher and nobody says a word? Are you okay with making the bed and nobody says a word? Are you okay with putting all that laundry away and nobody says a word? You should be. Because if you're not, you're chasing after something. And it's funny because... We'll, we'll hear this sometimes in counseling sessions with people where, where like the couples will be saying like, he never notices when I, and, and she'll say, well, he never, she never, no, he never notices when I, and, and so what if we just quit trying to get the other person to notice and we just did it because we loved our family and we loved them and we yeah. want to just do the right thing. Right. Quit chasing after that. Quit parading yourself around and just do it because it's the right thing to do. Right. Agape love serves without expecting anything in return. Yeah. We talked about that at the beginning. That's what we're talking about. Agape love expects or love, serves without expecting anything in return. And then lastly, love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. That is so powerful. I know in marriage and in life, people make it easy. They really do. They make it easy for us to want to give up on them. They frustrate us. They don't get it when we want them to get it, you know? Sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, are we really having this conversation again? Like we're going around this mountain again, like you know the word, You're, you go to the same church that I do, you've been sitting under the same teaching. Uh, this is, these are examples, right? Not, not real life. <laughs> but we, we, we often find ourselves with people frustrated and how are you not getting it? And we just wanna like, shake the dust off our boots and kind of move on and be like, Lord, do your best. Um, (laughs) But that's not love. Because this tells us love never gives up. Love never considers someone too far gone. It never loses faith in people. And it's not because people don't don't cause us to want to lose faith in them. It's because we don't lose faith in God. We believe that that God is so good and he is so true to his word that he can get a hold of somebody's heart and transform it. He can create in them a new heart. David prayed that create in me a new heart. Oh God. So we don't lose faith in people because we don't lose faith in God and his ability to bring transformation into their life. Love endures through every circumstance Mm -hmm. for better or worse, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when, when Sarah and I first got married, we were very much in love and it was like a fairy tale honeymoon. First year marriage was going pretty good, but into the second year, and as we started the third year, uh, things were falling apart quickly. And most of it had to do with the fact that I was a mess, um, a real mess. I was, I was a jerk, I was mean, I was prideful. Uh, I had kind of grown up 
a small kid and I had learned how to defend myself with my words and I knew how to cut people. I knew how to get to things that could shut people down. And so I was very aggressive and, and uh, could use my words to just be mean. And me and Sarah would get in an argument and I would just, I knew what to say that would hurt her and shut her up. And I would go there because my goal was to win. And so I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I think back about that, that time in my life and I really am. Like it's, I'm ashamed of the person I was. And beyond just I'm mean and I'm not you know, fulfilling my marital duties, I'm also uh, I'm, I'm a fake. I've got this secret that nobody knows about. I'm addicted to pornography, and I've been for years, and nobody knows. Because if anybody knows, uh, everything in my life could fall apart. And so I keep that very well hidden. But when you get married, you know, when you're dating, it's kind of like two people are living out of two separate suitcases. But then you get married, and all of a sudden you get one suitcase. And those things that you had hidden away and compartmentalized, they're going to come out. And so eventually it came out. And, uh, and what's interesting, I think back to that time of our life when she was finding this out. And I, I'm, I'm shocked that she stayed. Because, like, I was mean. <laughs> I was... I didn't make a lot of money, so it wasn't like I was her sugar daddy. <laughs> we were broke. Yeah. Um, I, and, and now I'm not even the guy she thought she married. And yet, she stayed. And in that season, she expressed agape love to me. Yeah. And it saved me. Yeah. It saved me. You know, we said earlier um, that... That agape love takes courage, sacrifice, and strength. And that's what she displayed for me. And her courage gave me courage. And her sacrifice gave me motivation. And her strength became my strength that helped me overcome. And I'm who I am today because of the agape love of Jesus Christ and the agape love of Sarah Blunt. And, and, And I think about what God did in that season and how he, he helped change me. And what she displayed for me, it, it really is so beautiful because she got to be a picture of the love of Jesus. Because that's how Jesus loved us. She, you know, she, she didn't want to stay, but she chose faith instead of fear and fleeing. She chose to have faith in God, and she chose to have faith in me based on who God could, could help me to become. And I think it's important to note that this was not like a once and done thing like I thought it was going to be. Like I thought, okay, this is hard, but he'll never do this again because like he's seen how devastating it is to me, to his family, to his career. Like, okay, that, that was bad and that was awful and that really sucked, but it will never happen again. But addiction is real and it happened again and it happened again. During those next two years, it would come up often and we would talk about it. And so it wasn't a one-time choosing. It was a daily choosing. It was, you hurt me today and you are unlovable and you are unappealing to me, but I'm deciding, I'm making up my mind that I'm gonna walk through this with you. I'm not gonna leave you. So I don't wanna paint the picture that it was like, well, it was once and then he was perfect and everything's been happily ever after since then. That's not the case. People are gonna mess up again and again. I'm not perfect. I mess up again and again and again. But that's why agape love has to do with our head, not just our heart. And it's the love of Jesus on display. And if you think about it, that's how he displays his love for us. He forgives us over and over again. He chose faith instead of what he felt like doing. He went to the cross and died for you. 
because he wanted to redeem you. Yeah. And he made a way. And, and, and through our marriages, we can, we can express that same kind of love and we can redeem the other person. And so I want to encourage you and invite you to walk in this kind of love no matter what in your marriage relationship. To choose to say, I'm going to express this and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love them and I'm going to mean it. And meaning it means I'm going to do it and I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to keep loving them and keep forgiving them. So good. Okay, our homework for this week. I want you guys, everybody, to memorize 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Like, memorize it. Commit it to memory. Do whatever you have to do. Make flashcards, note cards. Memorize 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Um, And then secondly, ask the Holy Spirit. Get quiet. Have a quiet moment, just you and him, if you're keeping record of any wrongs. And then if you're married, I think it's a, a wonderful topic of conversation that will really... Uh, propel you guys into some growth to ask each other is there anything in my life that's causing you to be jealous for me not of me but is there anything that's causing you to be jealous for me that that place that you have in my heart as my number one priority apart from God is there anything that you're seeing that is it the kids is it work is it my phone whatever it is get honest with each other and then if you're unmarried or married ask God to show you things that cause him to be jealous for you. What in your life is causing you, it could even be your healthy marriage, but it's causing that to be the center of your affection instead of God. And then lastly, each morning, ask the Holy Spirit to help you keep your agape love on throughout the day. Begin the day, ask him in the morning, ask him in the afternoon, ask him in the evening, help me keep my agape love on. I don't want to leave without realizing there could be someone watching this right now that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, I want to invite you to just simply pray a prayer. Jesus loves you and he died on the cross so he could have a relationship with you. He wants to be close to you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. God loves you and he wants to be close to you today. So if that's you, I want to invite you to just pray this prayer with me. And you guys that are here, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I believe that he rose from the grave so I could be raised to new life through him. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. I give you my all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Let's give him a hand. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.